0: Okay, this is Icarus. We are looking at a letter from exactly 50 years ago, kind of. That is, the letter's date is Yud Alef Kislev, and it is not Yud Alef Kislev, but if you look down here, it says that the Rebbe says, miyud miyem Gimel Kislev. So the author had written the letter on Gimel Kislev. So this is about 50 years ago, almost exactly 50 years ago, the letter was written or responded to, and it's a very interesting, very long letter. We're only going to look at one letter today. It's about five pages long, I believe, but uh, it's not difficult to get through. It's just the Rebbe has four or five ideas in this letter that are main shittas that he has in so many other letters, where he expresses really how the Rebbe views certain issues. And it's also written to a fairly interesting person. It's written to uh, Mordechai Tzipori. Um, any, any, uh, any real maven in uh, Israeli politics know Mordechai Tzipori? You'd have to really know. He died in 2017. He was in the Likud party, and for many years he was the, uh, the Minister of Communications. But before that, he was in the Irgun, he got captured by the British, he was sent to Africa. He was uh, in an African prison, he dug tunnels to escape the African prison, although I don't think he actually escaped the prison because they let him free and let him return. In 1948, he joined the military, rose through the ranks, and became a Tet Aluf, which honestly, I have no idea. The the internet tells me it might be a brigadier general, it might be like the lowest level of general, it might be something right below general. I don't know exactly, but he became a very high-ranked military officer in the Israeli army. And then later on, uh, entered politics. He entered in Likud as, I think, the deputy minister of defense, and then went on to be the minister of communications. So pretty important guy in Israeli politics and in, his, and in the founding of Israel. He fought for Israel before 1948. He went to prison for it. And, uh, and he later on continued to fight for the freedom and safety of Israel for many years. Uh, the reason why he wrote to the Rebbe is because the Rebbe kind of started it. Right after the Yom Kippur war, the Rebbe sent out shluchim, uh, and not just shluchim. He asked any of the guests who were visiting for Yom Tov when they went back to Eretz Israel, and anybody who had a chance to go to Eretz Israel, He told he told many lebab uh, many of his followers, even who weren't Lubavitcher Chesidim, he said, I want you visiting the army bases. I want you talking to the soldiers and uh, and making them feel good about what they've done. I want you to spread my messages to them. So the Rebbe sent a lot of shluchim to the army bases. And after he sent to the army bases, a lot of the leaders of these army bases wrote letters to the Rebbe saying, thank you. Uh, we have a lot of them in this volume of igris and a lot of them are short. The Rebbe will write back saying something like, thank you for your letter, and I'm glad that you appreciated our visit. In this case, The person who wrote back to the Rebbe, who was already a brigadier general near the top of the Israeli army at the time, wrote back to the Rebbe and he asked him a question. The question doesn't actually show up in our letter until the second page. Let me just scroll down and show it to you. We should know the question going in, I think. Maybe it's on the third page. There we go. Down here in Gimel is the time the Rebbe quotes his question. Here is his question. He wrote about the Mahusay Ruchnias Shalamenu. He wrote a real general question to the Rebbe. He says, I want to know, what is the spiritual... Uh, what is the spiritual foundation? What is the mahos? What is the spiritual identity of our people? What keeps our people going? What will uh, what will determine our people's lot? What will determine what happens to our people? What should the teachers of the Jewish people and those who are leaders of the Jewish people be doing with that information? So this is what he asked the Rebbe. He asked the Rebbe a big general question: What is a Jew? What is Judaism? What keeps Jews alive? What keeps Judaism alive? What is the central part of all of this? And as a leader among the Jewish people, what is my role? And the Rebbe writes him a very long answer. And in this letter, we have, uh, we have so many this. So without any more uh, introduction, let's jump into the letter to Mordechai Tzippor. The Rebbe writes, Shalom Ubracha." I got your letter from the third day of Kislev. Thank you very much for the nice things that you wrote, that you uh, that you appreciated, uh, that you appreciated my letters and the things that were sent to you. Over in your in your words, the thing that you liked is trusha Teva ladas. It's really good to know. Ben Amenu He said, it's really nice to hear that we have a certain uh, is, a, is a mutual responsibility. They, they, he likes the idea that the Jewish people are all one, that there's a partnership between the Jews in America and the Jews in Israel and a partnership between the Rebbe and the soldiers. He liked hearing from the people who visited the base and from the letters that they'd received at the base uh, that the Jewish people are all one and that we're all in this together. So he appreciated that. And by the way, modern Israeli soldiers also appreciate that. This isn't new. We appreciate the solidarity. The Rebbe writes back, starts off, you're wrong about solidarity. You should know that Chassidus adds something to what you said. And it's an important addition. And it's an important addition. We're not just partners, according to Chassidus, in the things that we do. Meaning that it's not just two people who are completely separate have decided to become one over a certain issue. That we all decided we cared about the state of Israel. We all decided we care, care about the land of Israel. And even though we're separate people, we're all uniting over the safety of Israel. It's not what's happening. And the words of the al who established the jewish people are one body we are all completely one joined together to be one actually we're completely one so we're not partners we're one body we're all limbs of one form even though it's true we're different kinds of limbs we can be really different some of us are the heads and some of us are the water drawers we have qualitative and quantitative differences but we all complete each other And when we are completely one, we are all part of one body, limbs of one body. And we can't be complete without each other. As the author says, there's no real to the head if it doesn't have the help of the feet. So the Rebbe starts off by saying, I I, I received your letter saying, you appreciate that we're all in this together as partners, but you should know we're not partners, we're completely one. There's an absolute oneness between the Jewish people. We're not just getting together over a solid issue. And uh, this is, I think, very noteworthy, especially in the time that we're in right now, when 300,000, I think was the estimate, 250,000, 300,000 Jews got together to rally over Israel. That really wasn't what was happening, according to the Rebbe. The Rebbe would say that they weren't rallying over something and joining together. They're already one. They found a reason to all meet in one place at one time. But the Jewish people are one whether or not they have a common cause. We're intrinsically one. And so the Rebbe says it's stronger than the fact that we found something to rally around. It's that we're one from the beginning. And that's why when other people rally around, I think things generally get violent. <laughs> things generally fall apart because other people are rallying around a Dover. We're not rallying around a Dover. We're simply showing the fact that we really are one. And that's a different kind of rally in any event. Regarding the questions that you put in your letter. The Rebbe opens up by saying, starts up by saying, I don't like a lot of your questions. I'm sorry, says the Rebbe. I want to start off, uh, give an introduction with a central point. It's well known that God did not create anything in his world for no purpose. This certainly applies to a person, that the final line, the, the bottom line of that idea, therefore, a person's job, their principal job, is to ask questions and find answers about things that pertain to their in this world. People have a lot of theoretical questions that have nothing to do with them. And the Rebbe starts off by saying, your theoretical questions that have nothing to do with your job in this world, aren't necessarily worth asking. And uh, that is a really interesting point. You don't see that in a lot of places, you know, especially, especially in my field, uh, lately, where I'm, I'm going around talking to college students and to, and to young people who have some very theoretical questions. A lot of them really don't pertain to their lives. They bother them, but that's the Yitzahara. The to asks questions that aren't pertinent. The Yitzahataev asks questions that are pertinent. So the Rebbe says, let's start off by saying, your questions that you don't need to get the job done don't really need to be answered. What is your job in this world? Simple, it is to spread good. If you want to know what that sounds like in a slightly different way, what does it mean to spread good? that is to emphasize the soul over the body that's to emphasize spirituality over physicality that's a Jew's job and this is one sentence anybody ever asked you the meaning of life you have in one sentence from the Rebbe the meaning of life that is to spread good which is defined as soul over body and, and of course the most important thing is what you actually do get stuff done as we see uh, as we see explicitly it's true that it's uh, the the actions that you do should be based on a clear thought, on clear ideas. But at the same time, the most important thing is what you actually do. So this is a person's job in this world: is to spread good, to emphasize spirituality, and to get stuff done. But Hashem once, that this should all be a choice; that we should choose to do the right thing, and it should be with our bechira, not by force. And God gives us all the possibilities, all the abilities, capabilities, to have this As God says in the Torah, I place before you life, and uh, and he doesn't say, life, but life and good and death and evil. And he goes on to say, not just a guarantee, but also a request. It's a guarantee that you will choose life, but also a plea from God that you will choose life, as you'll see in Devarim, in Nitzavim, Lamed, uh, I guess. Okay. From this point. What are the questions that you're asking that are most urgent that I actually need to answer? They're going to be the ones that are applicable to action. And only in free time. After you finished all the other important stuff. You can only think about the stuff that isn't pertinent to your life once you, once you have free time. And we know what the Rebbe means when he says, once you have free time. The Rebbe does not give us free time. So the big questions that you have about life and the universe and everything that don't pertain to your rule and to your to your, uh, your uh, place in the world, in Mice of the Pale, they just don't matter all that much. And you can think about them when you have free time, which you're never going to have. I, I'm adding that, but it's true, which you're never going to have. So a lot of these big theoretical questions that bother people, they do need to take a step back and ask themselves, is my Yitzhah Tev and my hara asking the question? How can you tell the difference? If the question pertains to my job in this world, then my Yitzhah is asking the question. If my question pertains to general interest, then it's my a Hara asking the question. Curiosity, we always celebrate curiosity in theory, but in practice, we're reading a letter from the Rebbe, and The the is telling us, curiosity sometimes is worthwhile. Curiosity is worthwhile when it could lead to my Payo. If it can't lead to my Payo, Get your curiosity out of the way. So, based on that idea, that Rebbe says, "I'm going to address only your questions that matter." And therefore, we don't know what questions he asked that didn't matter. We only know the ones that the Rebbe decided to answer. I looked around a lot. There are no other records of this letter besides the one we have. It's imprinted in Iskashlus and also in uh, Beis Mashiach, um, but they're just direct prints. We don't have a lot of information on what uh, on he on what he might have written. Okay, Gam <clears throat> Uh, so now we're going to shift to something a little bit different in what the Rebbe did. So let's just review. The first thing the Rebbe told him, which is the Yesaid, is that we are not partners. We are not. We don't share a mutual responsibility. The Jewish people are not united over a cause. We are not united over a cause. We are intrinsically one, and we're not united over anything. We're one before we have any cause to be united over. The second thing is questions are great, but only when they have to do with getting the job done. Don't forget what your job is. It is to spread good and emphasize Ruchnius. <clears throat> Now that Ebba goes on to a different topic where he begins to answer the questions. Certainly in your field as well, in the army. You know how to solve things that you're not sure about. The way that you normally solve problems is you think about the fact whether there was whether there was in the past something just like this. When you're trying to solve a new problem, you look for precedent. Did we did we encounter this problem before? And was it solved in that way before? That's how we do everything. He says in the military, and he's going to say in a second in Rafua, The way that we figure out whether something's going to work is by looking at what has worked in the past. We look at how we solved the problem back then, about and then we have an analysis of how well it worked. This is something that in science we call efficacy. That is, we look at we look at a drug and we see how well it worked over time. Is it a is it an effective drug? And if it's effective, we ask how effective is it? this applies to anything, really. This has to do with the strategies of war and peace. This has to do with healing the soul and also healing the body. This is the way that we do things. We test methods and we ask ourselves, how well did this method work historically? We base all of the things that we're doing on an investigation of what happened previously and on the tests that we had previously. As is said, there's no wise person like someone who has been through stuff. And the uh, litmus test, the main litmus test in all of these investigations, he what do we look at mainly? Outcomes. We really want to know the outcome. We asked, did this strategy work in a certain situation? Did this drug work in a certain patient trial? Did it only partially work, or did it not work at all? This is how we analyze evidence. And only as an assistance, only as a side point, do we try to figure out the mechanism. This is true in drug trials, by the way. If we find a drug and and it, and it works, and uh, we test it again and again under multiple settings, we get to you know phase one, two, and three trials, and it works and works and works. We're going to approve the drug. As a side point, we're going to try to figure out the mechanism. But even if we can't figure out the mechanism, we're still going to approve the drug once we see that it's safe and uh, safe, safe and effective. Uh, safe and effective is the main is the main bar, and that's what the deb is saying here: is that uh, whether it raptor um, azer only in a way of, uh, as a side point, as a help. Mishtadlim, we try, we try to figure out why it worked or didn't work. That's sort of a side point. Even if for whatever reason, we don't ever figure out the reason why it works. Or we find a reason and it just doesn't make sense and we don't like it that doesn't really make a difference for what we'll do in the future. Nonetheless, we are going to use a strategy that works, even if we don't know the reason why it works. And we're going to use a medicine that works, even if we're not comfortable with the reason why it works. Especially when it has succeeded again and again, over and over again, in different situations. So the more we do the trial, the more times we run the trial, the better it works. This, by the way, could be in a science textbook. This is exactly how scientists see evidence. So this is a, this is brilliant and exactly how we how we decide whether something something's going to work so repeated trials a focus on efficacy and interest in the mechanism but not necessarily is that active. the main thing we're looking for is does it work so precedent and efficacy are king even if we don't get why things work especially if they work repeatedly now, let's use this approach, says the Rebbe, to answer your questions. This is a, this is an approach that is accepted in all fields. In every discipline. Ask anybody, is this the way that we analyze data? This is the way that we analyze data. Everybody agrees. Therefore, we can also use it to answer your questions, because this is the way that we answer. All questions. Now, what were your questions? You want to know, what is the <clears throat> what is the, mahus ruchanis shalamenu? What is the spiritual essence of our people? What makes our people last? What makes our people survive and, and, have a, and have a future? And what should the Jewish people who are in charge be doing? And if we have that question, we're asking what makes the Jew tick? What keeps the Jewish people alive? We should use the same scientific method that we use to decide whether a drug works or whether a milita- military strategy works. Let's look at history. And now the Rebbe takes us on a journey through history in far more detail than it usually does in a letter. I blocked my clock here. I hope we have time. It's just, the Rebbe goes in so much more detail than he usually does. And he also uses beautiful Lashon. The Rebbe says, let's bring out the book of our memories. Let's bring out our history and take a look at what happened in the past. When it comes to our, when it comes to the past of our people, as individuals, and also as a nation itself. Uh, There's been constant changes. There really isn't a constant when it comes to how we survive best whether we're having a good time in Gashmias, a good time in Ruchnias, when it comes to ourselves, when it comes to our environment. There was a period of time where we did very well in Gashmias. We had a base in Mikdash, and it was standing on its hill, and it was in Ruchnias, we were doing very well as well. We had a period of time where internationally things were going well. We had a period of incredible prosperity under Shlem HaMelech. All of the kings of the land, they asked to see Shlem HaMelech and uh, the Rebbe says, this is what's called a good international relations. <laughs> I about This is good international relations at the time, and that. Um, that so the Jewish people survived under great gashmias great Ruchnias, um and great international relations. Also, We also survived in Golis in the terrible darknesses. Take of the Shall We survived the destruction of the first and second may Does anybody know that word? I had to look it up. It means the it means the Crusades of uh, the Inquisition, excuse me, it means the Inquisition. Inquisition is havinim because you're inquiring into something? I didn't know. Anyway, the days of the Inquisition, eres HaShoyah, the Holocaust. We survived. We didn't, we died, but we also survived. The Jewish people also persist under terrible circumstances. So clearly you can't say that a, a good Gashmias is what makes the Jewish people live. You can't say a good ruchnius is what makes the Jewish people live. You can't say a, uh, you can't really say that, uh, that 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 a good international relations is what keeps people around, which by the way, is what 90% of Jews seem to think at the moment is that making friends with the nations is the only thing keeps us around. Says that Rebbe, sometimes we survived with, while, while being good friends with the nations, and sometimes we survived while being at terrible odds with the nations. These are not things <clears throat> that, are, <clears throat> that are tried and true methods of us surviving. <clears throat> Excuse me. So they're clearly not the thing keeping us alive. There is only one consistent way that we have done well repeatedly. There's only one thing that's kept us alive, and everything else we've at some times done without. Mitzvahs maizyas, that is practical mitzvahs. That's the only thing that's kept us going. we're keeping them. api teres Hashem, Keeping them according to the Torah of Hashem, and according to the meseyedah that we got from our forefathers. Ki choshar everything else. Now look at what he says in parentheses here, especially slowly. Take a look at what he says in parentheses here. This is what I was talking to you about before this year started. All other inyanam, Eretz, Safa, Chulu, everything else, including... Statehood, including the land that you live in, including the language that you speak, the culture, all the other things that are seen to be essential to Judaism, At sometimes we did not have them, and we still survived. So khalil, sometimes we had them to take it. And sometimes, we didn't have them at all, and we still survived. That, show, that demonstrates that they are not necessary for the fundamental existence of our people. as a nation, B'tor as a group, or as individuals. We survive as a nation without a land. We survive as a nation without a language. We survive as a nation without a culture. These things are not fundamental to what it is to be a Jew, uh, or what it is to keep a Jew alive. Because if they were, then the moment we didn't have them, they would disappear. And that's not what we've seen historically. Historically, we've lived without these things. The only thing we've never lived without is mitzvahs. And now he's going to prove that. If we page through the history of the Jewish people, <clears throat> I can't clear my throat today. <musician> Every single group, every single sect, every single idea that decided to leave mitzvahs mysias and not take not, not take practical mitzvahs as seriously, either they got either they got lost among the nations and we don't know about them anymore, they're just not ours anymore, they became goyim and we don't know where they are, or they came back to doing terah mitzvahs and they folded back into the Jewish people. But there are only two possible outcomes for people who abandon mitzvahs, and none of them are that they continue to survive. When a Jew stops doing mitzvahs, Either they are lost among the Goyim, or they start doing mitzvahs again. But that is not, the only thing we've ever done that's not sustainable is life without mitzvahs. Life without a land, we've done, it's sustainable. Life without a language, we've done, it's sustainable. Life without everything else, we've done, it's sustainable. The only thing that has never, that we've never survived without even a sect of us is mitzvahs. The Rebbe says this goes all the way back to Ar-Sinai. 40 days after Ar-Sinai, there were people who decided not to do mitzvahs. They built an Ege Lazav. And later on, even under the time that we were in Shlomo Amalek's time, when we were living on each person under their vine and under their uh, under their tree, <clears throat> there were people worshiping the bal. <laughs> there were the were, tzedukim, they were There were all sorts of sects that didn't want to keep mitzvahs. And where are they nowadays? Uh, they don't survive anymore. The maskana is simple: is that those people, these ideas, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> Somebody uh, has their thing on and should... uh, Let me just get that. Yeah. The maskana is very simple. If you want to know what keeps us around as a nation, or as a group, or as an individual, it is entirely dependent on... Keeping mitzvahs, I'm keeping practical mitzvahs. That's what keeps us around and nothing else. Says the Rebbe, the job of anybody who has influence over other people, the job of the leaders, the job of the rabbis and the teachers is to strengthen that and that specifically. You're going to read outside a little here so we can go a little faster. uh, Since we said earlier that we're all one body, if you do strengthen this in one corner, this strengthens the entire Jewish body because we are not just partners, We're all completely one. So the job of leaders is to strengthen mitzvahs specifically, not necessarily to strengthen those side points because the side points are not what's keeping us alive. The Rebbe says, and As I said earlier, says the Rebbe, we're going to summarize this paragraph too. Uh, when it comes to something that works, when we do find a tried and tested and true drug or a tried, trusted and tested and true uh, military strategy, it doesn't matter if we don't understand exactly why it works. It doesn't matter if I can't put that in my sechel and I don't get why mitzvahs are the main thing that has kept us going. What matters is that it's the only thing that has proven efficacy. The only thing with proven efficacy uh, in keeping the Jewish people together and alive is Torah mitzvahs and specifically applies to keeping the Jewish people alive where they are. That is, if you want to know what will keep the Jewish people alive, the holy people in their holy land, it is not going to be a, it's not going to be nationalism. It's not going to be language and it's not going to be culture. What's going to keep you alive in your land Uh, especially you alive in your land but Jews alive everywhere is the thing that's kept us alive forever which is observance of mitzvahs the only thing that really helps is keeping mitzvahs I could expand upon this more says the Rebbe but I'm sure you understand me and I'm sure and I hope that you and it should be God's will you should understand the spirit of what I'm writing understand the meaning of my words because I guess there's more than one way to read this letter I hope you'll understand that I'm writing to you in the spirit of mutual responsibility of every single Jew and uh, every single one of us the says the Rebbe says it should be everybody should act in line of what's going on with Chanukah, which is coming up soon. Which is now Shemat Erm, Yem Yem. That every single day we increase in light with Uvracha. So a, a very quick estimate of the top points here, and then with whatever time we have left. We can talk a little bit about them. The Rebbe starts out by saying that we are not Shutzpah at all. We're not partners of the Jewish people. We are completely one. And that's different than people who are separate uniting over a cause. We're all completely one intrinsically. The Rebbe then said that we only really need to ask questions about jobs that need to get done. And the job that a Jew needs to get done is spreading good in the world. And that uh, by definition is Ruchnias over Gashmius and Zura over Chemer. The Deva then says, "When I'm answering your question about what makes the Jewish people tick and what keeps us around, the only real way to analyze that is to ask what has worked in the past and how well it has worked. We look at precedent and we look at efficacy. And even if we don't understand why things work, if something repeatedly works over and over again, that becomes the uh, that becomes the main thing that keeps that thing going." So the Rebbe says, "Let's look at the Jewish people. We've had times where we have uh, where we've been where we've had all sorts of different uh, situations that we've had or not had. We've had the land, not had the land. Had the language, not had the language. Had uh, wealth, not had wealth." These things are clearly not Archeum because we survived without them. If we want to find Archeum, the thing that keeps us around, we have to ask ourselves, what it is that we never survived without? Uh, What factor is there that if we remove it, the Jewish people simply cease? And the Rebbe says that's mitzvahs, and he brings two proofs that it's mitzvahs. Proof number one is we always had mitzvahs, and we didn't always have those other things. And proof number two is that any sect of Jews that dropped mitzvahs, they suddenly disappeared, showing that this is is actually, it's amazing, it's an amazing scientific trial, because it's the only factor we can find among the Jewish people that we never survived without it, and when you remove it, we never survive the moment that you remove it. It's very interesting, because this this is clearly the key. So the Rebbe says, therefore, what is it our job of the Jewish leaders to strengthen? Clearly the thing that keeps us around, which is Mitzes. I mentioned as an aside when the year started, uh, but although it's not only going to be on the recording, I mentioned it sort of in our in our pre share ramble that uh, that if you ever wanted to if you ever wanted proof of uh, of the Rebbe's non-Zionist but Zionist position, I think this is a letter you would pull it from. Uh, one of the key ideas of Zionism is that one of the main factors that makes Jews survive, the Jewish survival is dependent on Jewish nationhood, on Jews existing in a state, and that uh, and that having a state. Uh, regardless of the state of that state, as long as there is a Jewish state, that is one of the things that will ensure Jewish survival. Uh, the Rebbe is saying in this letter that's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of ridiculous to say that the Jew- that the Jews will only survive if they have a state. The Jews have survived without a state, and uh, the evidence suggests that a state is not what keeps us around. What keeps us around is keeping mitzvahs. Now, it's great to have a state, and you don't see any anti-Zionism in this letter. You don't really see anti-Zionism from the Rebbe anywhere. But to be very gung-ho about the idea that what makes a Jew a Jew and what makes a Jew survive is a piece of land is something that I think the Rebbe knocks in a lot of different places and in no place more than in, the, than in this letter, where the Rebbe says that if we're really analyzing what has kept the Jews around, it has never been a culture. It's not even been a nationalism. It's not been a language. It's been simple observance of Torah and Mitzvahs. OK, that's it. I have a meeting I have to run to, but I just want to just want to make one comment uh, before I exit. and is it possible to split this between spiritual and physical survival? I know you're probably not going to agree with that or like that concept, but you're talking about the only thing that's kept the Jews alive has been Torah and Mitzvahs. Go tell that to 6 million people, right? So so talk about all the people that are murdered because they were Jews who kept a lot of Torah and a lot of Mitzvahs, and yet they were slaughtered. Now, is it because other people didn't or are, we si- or are we talking about spiritual survival versus physical survival? So when you talk about physical survival, there may be a place to say that for physical survival, you need a state. For physical survival, you need an army. For physical survival, you need a language and a culture and whatever. Spiritual, you have nothing in the state of Israel. is worth nothing if you don't have says. I agree. I know you have to run. I have two possible answers to that. One of them is that the Rebbe says, uh, also, betor yachid. So he says that the survival of the Jewish people as a nation, as a klutzah, and also as a yachid, as the individual, is intended is, uh, is is determined upon nothing but terror and mitzvahs. So I think that if he says individual, you've got to assume that's the life of the individual. The other thing is, while I will say, yeah, definitely, we did not survive the Holocaust. Six million people died in it. We also have had periods of time where we didn't have the we didn't have the land of Israel. We were surviving better than we are now. If we're talking pure goshiness, we had the uh, we had we had periods of time, especially in Arab countries, back when they used to like us. There was a golden age in Spain. Um, I think fewer I think fewer Jews died during the Spanish Golden Age than they are right now in modern Israel. So the litmus test can't really be whether we're being killed by our enemies. I think the litmus test, litmus test needs to be are we surviving? And uh, the only common thread probably mitzvahs. Probably mitzvahs.